All right. Good morning. Welcome back. It's the Avid Investor Podcast with me, your host, Josh Adamak. And today we're going to talk again about cash flow. Uh, in a previous episode, uh, last episode, uh, I, I talked about cash flow and the importance of, of having passive income. And today I'm going to dive into the details on how to create cash flow and how to create passive income. So reason for that, first off, um, I, yesterday I was down in town in Pittsburgh, uh, having breakfast with a friend, um, shout out to, uh, uh, Yuri, Yuri and Yuri's jewelry. Um, if you guys don't know Yuri, hands down, best jeweler in town, uh, give him a follow on Instagram. Uh, it's, it's, uh, Yuri's jewelry. Let me see here. Uh, yeah. Uh, Yuri's jewelry. Check out their website, call them, make an appointment, stop down. If you guys are looking for, for watches, uh, uh, engagement rings, a custom piece, Yuri is your guy. Trust me, you, you won't go wrong with Yuri's jewelry. So anyways, um, I was in town. Uh, Yuri and I, we were having breakfast. We were catching up. Uh, had a great meal, had a great time. Uh, we're just talking about business and, and strategies and, and and things like that and opportunities. And uh, <clears throat> Yuri brought up the podcast, uh, not particularly my podcast, but another podcast that he was listening to. And he had said, you know, these these <clears throat> these podcasts are great. There's, you know, some good information out there. Uh, but but he had mentioned, uh, you know, what he's seeing is, is a lot of ideas. Um, you know, this is what can be done. That's what can be done. Um, but he, he, what, what, what's missing is the details on actually how to do it. So, um, <clears throat> what I try to do with my podcast is, is provide, provide the concept and then the resources that will allow you, um, to do what's been done, to do what I've done, to do what we've created, um, you know, and, and, you know, grow your business and, and create your portfolio, manage your portfolio, uh, uh, create your investment uh, type business. So that's what I try to do with this podcast, the Avid Investor Podcast. So again, thank you to Yuri. Um, thank you for the input. Thank you for the feedback. And and if anyone else has has feedback on on something that uh, you know you'd like me to cover, some more something that you'd like me to dive into greater detail, or a topic that I haven't haven't covered yet, please, please send me a message, reach out, call, text, DM, whatever. Hit me up. Uh, let me know. I, I I welcome the feedback. I appreciate the feedback, and and it's only going to help me, um, you know, get better and 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 provide more more content and and more value for you guys so that's what it's all about here so anyways uh back to cash flow again previous episode we talked about what is cash flow um and the importance of of creating passive income and today we're going to talk about how to create that passive income so there's many many ways uh to create passive income um you know through through sales through residual re, excuse me through residuals through trails um things like that you know it's it's common in in the insurance industry to to create residual income you know what that means you sell a policy uh that policy renews on an annual basis um and or i don't know i assume it's an annual basis maybe it's a monthly basis but but you create that 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 trail, that residual income on that sale. So you sell the policy and you create that trail. So the importance of, of you know, to me, it's very, very important to create passive income, regardless of what business or what industry um, you're in. If you're if you're just a you know commission-based salesman, um, you always got to work. You always got to sell. You always got to sell. You always got to uh, uh, 
get that next next customer, get that next close in order to, um, you know, fuel your lifestyle and feed your family. But um, if you're in a business or in an industry where you can where you can create passive income, create residual income, that's where it's at, man. I mean, no hands down, uh, no questions asked. Uh, it's all about passive income. It's all about residual income. Um, you know, the sales are great. The sales are, are what, what feeds you today. Um, but the passive and the residual is, is what feeds you and, and fuels, fuel, feeds your family and, and, and feeds, uh, fuels your lifestyle for years, um, months, years, decades to come. So, um, Again, very important to create passive income, very important to create residual income. Uh, the way we do it is through, uh, through cash flow, cash flowing real estate. Um, my real estate, my preferred, um, our focus, my, my preferred investment type investment strategy is single family homes. So uh, you guys already know this, but the way we do it is we, we, we operate under a private equity model where we work one-on-one -on -one with private and institutional investors to uh, create and manage portfolios. And what that does is that allows our, our investment partners uh, uh, the ability, it gives them the, the ability to own real estate, to get all of, all the benefits of owning real estate. Well, uh, my company Avid as the managing partner does all the work. We, we, uh, create the portfolios. Um, we source the properties. We, uh, uh, we, we stabilize the properties. We lease the properties. We do the day-to-day -day management. You know, we handle the terms we do. We do all the back end. you know, office, all the accounting, QuickBooks, um, you know, source, you know, we have our, our accountant do the, do the tax returns, things like that. So it's a truly, truly passive investment for, for our, for our investment partners. Uh, for our management company, for our side, it's it's work. I mean, we do we do all the day to day that comes along with it. Um, but in turn, we're creating we're creating passive income. We're creating cash flow um, through through the private equity model. So um, that's how we do it. Um, you know, traditionally, uh, or, or you know, uh, uh, the, the the more traditional way to go about it, or the more common way to go about it, I should say, is you know go out buy a property fix it up refinance it you know whether you buy cash whatever um so so typically um you know if you're if you're new starting out in this business you're you're green you're, you're just you're like me when i when i was you know 20 years old um i saw an opportunity in real estate i was in the automotive industry um and then i saw what was being done in or what could be done in real estate and owning real estate and you know from my early 20s i i was hooked um you know uh, learning, learning the business, and realizing that I could own assets that other people paid me to live in, and I own the asset. I got the cash flow. Um, I got the equity. Got the tax benefits, the depreciation. So when I started in this business, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you about that because um, that's common on on how most people get started on the active side. So, so as an investor. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, when you want to invest in real estate, there's typically you know two ways to go about it: active investor, passive investor. Active investor is someone that is going to go out, create, and manage a portfolio. Someone that's going to go out and buy a property that's going to fix it up. Maybe not fix it up yourself, but you're still going to manage the general contractor, the handyman, the turns, the cleans, you know, things like that. So that's that's the active investor. A passive investor would be like one of our equity and 
our one of our equity partners that invests into a portfolio while avid as the as the managing partner does all the work so active investor pass um or, or i'm sorry passive investor and an active investor so we're going to talk about the active side first so assuming you know you're like i was in my early 20s you're like hey this real estate thing seems pretty cool i think i want to do it you know i want to buy a couple of properties um you know i want to create a little extra cash flow i want to i want to create you know something for the long term so how do you go about doing that first step one is you got to hone in on on what type of investment you're going to look for um again what we do with avid are our our preference, my preference is port we create and manage portfolios of single family homes. Um, why is that? Our focus is safety and security uh, uh, for our investment partners and, and for our portfolio. So when I talk about safety and security, we invest in residential uh, real estate, single family homes in B class neighborhoods. Uh, why not A neighborhoods? Um, we do have some nicer properties in portfolio. We do do some infill, new construction, land development, things like that. But but for the portfolios, it's B-class neighborhoods, regular houses, regular neighborhoods. Um, and when I say B-class neighborhoods, it's median price points for for our area, for uh, whatever part of city or whatever part of town you're in, it's median price points. So I know the market's crazy right now, but the median price point in Pittsburgh is somewhere right now, you know, around $200,000. Last time I checked, it was like 183, uh, 183.5 was the median price point. Um, so, you know, we're not into the A neighborhoods. We're not into the exclusive neighborhoods. We're not into the million dollar homes. We're not into the half a million dollar homes. Uh, we're not into the, the trendy parts of the city. Um, we're just regular houses, regular neighborhoods. So uh, a, a definition that I always use is, you know, we buy grandma's house. Um, so at least when I was growing up, you know, grandma, grandpa lived in a decent little part of town um, in a in a three bedroom house where they had, you know, like four or five kids. Um, my grandparents, uh, you know, they lived in in um, uh, just outside of uh, McKeesport, a, a little town called Green Oak. So, you know, the the, the home uh, homes in that neighborhood, grandma's house, they're, you know, hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars uh, retail. But it's in a neighborhood in an area where people want to live. Um, it's not the best school district. It's not, you know, it's it's not a, you know, quad A school, quad A sport. You know, it's not an A school district with, you know, the the, the best teams out there. But um, with, with, you know, the highest ratings, anything like that. It's a it's a, you know, just a regular school district. Um, but it's B class neighborhoods. That's where we invest in. Um, we don't go into the A's, certainly don't go into the C's. And you're going to say, well, I, I can make all kind of money on Section A properties. I can buy this house for $15,000 and it's going to rent for 800 bucks a month. And, you know, I'm going to have, you know, $700 a month cash flow or I'm going to have $500 a month cash flow or whatever. And I will remind you that everything looks good on a spreadsheet. Um, we have uh, uh, we have had some Section A properties, some lower income properties, some C neighborhoods. Uh, when I started investing, that's where I was. I was in the C neighborhoods, um, you know, and and you know the C neighborhoods they can be great for they can be good for cash flow. They're also they also tend to be management intensive. Uh, you have a lot of turns. You have a lot of repairs. You have a lot of uh, chasing uh, for for non pays thing things like that. Um, so C neighborhoods are very management 
management intensive. And then what you have with the C neighborhoods is you have a property that's, you know, always going to be worth what you pay for it, give or take, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Uh, maybe it gets trashed and you've got to spend a bunch of money and, and fix it up. Um, you know, maybe uh, the area gets worse over time and it's worth uh, less than you pay for it. Um, you know, maybe uh, like we're, where we're at right now, you know, the market's up re regardless of, of what neighbor neighborhood you're in. So maybe you've had a little bit of appreciation and you can find, you know, work the, 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 um, I call it the greater fool theory, um, you know, find somebody that's willing to pay, you know, more than you paid for it and you can exit and make a little bit of money. That is possible in C neighborhoods, but you know, that's also rolling the dice. Um, so, so we look at, we invest in B class neighborhoods, regular houses, regular neighborhoods. One, um, one reason for that is there's always a demand for housing in, in B class neighborhoods. Um, when the market's good, you know, we're filling properties, we're having, uh, we're finding good, good qualified residents that want to live in our homes. Uh, when the market is down, B-class neighborhoods tend to perform better um, when you're looking at, at long-term at cash flow properties. Why? Because, you know, uh, unfortunately, people that are in A neighborhoods, you know, maybe, maybe losing their homes or, or downsizing, you know, lost their job or whatever, and they're moving back to the B neighborhoods, um, you know, uh, where, where rents are a little bit cheaper, payments are a little bit cheaper. Um, and, you know, maybe that's where they, they should have been all along, um, you know, but, but again, regardless of market conditions, B class, uh, uh, properties and B class neighborhoods perform. So, uh, just look at it this way in Pittsburgh, there's always going to be a need for a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen dollar, fifteen hundred dollar a month rental. So that's where we invest. So how do you do it? Let's get to the to, to the how, not the why. Um, how do you do it? Uh, you need to find a property. Let's assume you don't know anything about real estate. You just want to get in real estate. How do you find a property? Uh, there's many many ways to source properties. Um, the of course the mls uh you can work with a real estate agent um you can work with an investor friendly uh real estate agent there are some real estate agents out there that are investor friendly and i know i've talked about this before in previous episodes but a good good place to to link up with with an investor friendly real estate agent is at your local ria uh ria stands for real estate investors association uh my my ria that I belong to and and that I'm on the board and I help run is Acre of Pittsburgh. So it's acrepgh.com. Check it out. You want to come to a monthly meeting, come as a guest. Uh, you'll link up with all kinds of resources there. So you can go with a real estate agent. Uh, right now, they're, they're, again, the market's up. Everybody's looking to buy. Everybody's investing in real estate. Um, there's some competition, a uh, fair amount of competition. Uh, so we here at Avid, um, we buy a lot of a lot of single family homes every year. Uh, we buy we look at the MLS uh, almost every day. Uh, we have the the updates that come through with with you know that meet our that meet our that fall within our buy box. Um, so we look at stuff every day. However, you know we buy very few properties off the MLS uh, every year. That's just reality. Um, typically, where we buy is is off market. So. When it comes to off-market type properties, now don't get me wrong, there there are deals to be found on the MLS. There are people that that buy uh, uh, friends of mine that buy a lot of properties off the MLS. Um, you know, we tend to be more selective. We look at stuff. Uh, if it makes sense, we'll make an offer. Sometimes we'll get it. Sometimes we won't get it. But we tend not to get into the into the bidding wars, the highest and best, and then you know, uh, going outside of our 
our, our, our buy box, our guidelines. So we do, we do look at MLS properties. Uh, we do, um, we do buy properties off the MLS. Uh, again, it's probably a couple of year, a handful at most. Um, but where we tend to buy a lot of properties is off market. So off market, uh, uh, real estate, that's where your deals can be found. And again, there's still competition there. It's not, it's not, you know, flip a switch, you know, start a click funnel or, you know, create a website or send out a batch of mailers. And then all of a sudden you're going to have all these deals uh, flooding into your inbox or all these uh, calls coming. There's, there's different methods that, that, you know, you got to work different strategies. You got to work um, to find those off market deals. Now, uh, one source that we use is, you know, we buy a lot from wholesalers. Um, and if you don't know, a wholesaler is somebody that, that markets to the masses, that spends a ton of money on marketing, that has, you know, some of the wholesalers that, that we buy from have an entire team um, that that are strictly out there, you know, sourcing deals to secure secure those deals and pass them along um, through, uh, through a release fee, you know, uh, some use assignments, but typically uh, through a release uh, to, another, to another investor. So uh, we tend to source a lot of properties through wholesalers. Um, how do you link up with those wholesalers? Look on the internet. <laughs> so again, um, you know, there's a lot of wholesalers at your local RIA, Acre of Pittsburgh. You go to Acre of Pittsburgh. Uh, there's wholesalers in the room. Uh, there's properties for sale every month at the monthly meeting. Um, you know, talking to people uh, in the back of the room, you'll find out who the go-to wholesalers are. Uh, go on uh, again. Go on the internet. Um, there's a lot of groups out there on, on social media. There's Pittsburgh real estate investors. There's Pittsburgh properties for sale. Um, there's all these different uh, subgroups on on social media that you can go out and you can find and you can connect with wholesalers. So um, and, and so you can buy from wholesalers. Um, uh, you can uh, do your own marketing. Uh, and and secure your own deals. So let's just say, for example, you live in a certain neighborhood, or you li you work close to a certain neighborhood, or for whatever reason you like a certain pocket. Um, you know, you want to stay in the South Hills, you want to stay in the North Hills, you want to stay out near the airport, or you know, you you have a certain pocket that that you've identified that you want to invest in real estate in that pocket. Well, you can market to that pocket. Um, you can do uh, you can do you know there's there's ways to do it online with click funnels and just setting up geo grid um, and, and things like that um, where you know that people that are in that area that have a property for sale will see your pop-ups online that's a little that's a little advanced you know possibly when you're getting started to one to set that up or two to pay somebody to set that up for you um, you know uh, another way is to source off-market deals is to send out mailers um, you know we've had success in the past with uh, with sending postcards uh, with sending yellow letters uh, yellow letter is um, you know, a letter that goes out, it's, it, it, it's printed, but it looks like a handwritten, uh, yellow letter that says, hi, my name's Josh. Um, I'd like to buy your house or, you know, whatever the, the, the canned message is. Um, I see you own the home at one, two, three main street. Um, I buy homes in the area and I, I'd like to make you a cash offer to purchase your home. So you can send that out to, to, you know, your target area. How do you get the list of, of, you know, addresses to send to? There's a number of ways to do that. Um, you can go to a list broker and there's list brokers out there. Um, again, just Google it, find somebody with some good reviews. I don't have a go-to list broker. I've used a couple in the past. Um, 
uh, but you can you can go to a list broker and you can say, hey, give me all the homes in all the single family homes in this area. Or if you want to buy duplexes, you want to buy multi units, give me all the duplexes uh, that are in this zip code. Give me all the multi units, all the four plus uh uh, four unit plus apartment buildings in uh, this zip code. Whatever your criteria is, uh, give them to your list broker. The more detailed um, you get on your criteria, the more it's going to cost you per lead. If you just say, give me all the addresses in 15237, that might be, you know, two cents per, per address or five cents per address um, or whatever that number is. If you say, I want all the homes in 15237 uh, that have um, the owner that, that has had the same owner for 15 plus years, uh, where the tax bill goes somewhere other than the um, than that address, um, you know, or you want you know something that's that's before a certain build date or something like that, um, or, or after a certain build date. Let's say you don't want any hundred-year-old homes; you only want something that's you know 1950s or newer, or 1970s or newer. Well, you can put all you can give all that criteria um, to your list broker, but the more detailed uh, you get on your criteria, the more it's going to cost you per lead. So you can work with a list broker, um, get that get that list of mailers. And uh, you can go, you can send them postcards, you can go to yellowletterscomplete.com or, you know, any other website that does, that does, you know, bulk mailers and you can send the mailers out through that way, um, uh, you know, to those leads. Um, and, and, you know, I, I will warn you, uh, forewarn you that when you start sending mailers, um, you know, one batch of mailers isn't going to get the phone to ring uh, off the hook. There's typically, you know, between a 3% and a 10% response rate. So, you know, if you just, you just do the math on, you know, however many mailers you're going to send out, how many calls you can expect, typically like a three to three to three to, um, uh, 10% response rate. And again, that depends on market conditions. That depends on how many mailers uh, that person is already getting from other investors. And, you know, you're not going to be the only one sending them mailers. I promise you that. So, um, you know, we go to the post office, we get a, we get, a, we own a lot of properties, but we get a stack of mailers, you know, not a stack, but we get a handful uh, of, of mailers every week from, you know, people that want to buy our properties. Why? Cause, cause we fell under their criteria of, of mailers. So, um, send out your mailers. Uh, it's very important. Follow-up is very important. So you send out one batch of mailers, you send out a thousand mailers, um, you know, it's it, your your response rate might be X, um, but follow up is key. So there's different there's different systems that that people teach and people offer. But you know, it's it's the the thing to to know when it comes to mailers is it's better to mail to a thousand people five times as opposed to mailing mailing to five thousand people one time. So follow up is key and have your system in place. Send out a letter. Um, you know, send out a, a handwritten yellow letter uh, or send out some sort of, of letter, follow up with a postcard, follow up with another postcard or, you know, have a system in place where you're going to where you're going to send out, you know, five, five or six or ten mailers to to that particular, you know, batch, that particular address. And again, it's better to send, you know, five mailers to a thousand people than, a, than, than one mailer to five thousand people. So focus on 
on your mailers and follow up it depending on what contact information you can get um you can you can uh from your list broker you can send a mailer you can follow up with a postcard you can follow up with a phone call or a text you got to watch um full disclosure you got to watch the do not call list i mean you can you can get in some trouble you know if you're if you're calling people that are that are registered on the do not call list so something to be um uh, cognizant of there is is you know watch what you're doing there are there are you know regulations in place where rules and regulations in place where you can get in, in trouble for um, soliciting so careful with that but send your mailers another um, you know of course calls as well we talked about mailers uh, you can call people I know there's there's call banks out there there's there's um, uh, you know, some people use VAs. I get calls all day long, every day. Hey, I'd like to buy your property at, you know, one, two, three Main Street. Um, I probably get, you know, maybe five, 10 calls a day on average. And I'm not joking. Um, you know, people that, that are soliciting that, that want to buy homes. So, but again, that's a numbers game. And again, watch the do not call list. Um, but you know, if, if you're, if, if you're making calls, you know, you can do it the old school way where you can just pick up the phone, uh, block off an hour, two hours, three hours every day, um, you know, and call as many people as you can. And again, with that, follow up is key. So it would be better to call a thousand people five times as, a, as opposed to calling, you know, 5,000 people one time. So follow up is where it's at. Um, so you can mix the mailers, you can mix the calls, um, you know, you can have, have a system for that. Uh, another, another great, great, great source to find off-market uh, properties doesn't cost you any money. Uh, all it costs you is time is what's known as driving for dollars and or door knocking. I can tell you that I have bought properties, several, several properties, um, you know, not dozens, but a, a number of properties from driving for dollars and door knocking. Um, driving for dollars is you have your area um, where you're looking to buy, drive around, look for for sale by owners, look for, you know, properties that, that may be in disrepair, look for, um, you know, properties that, you know, mail's hanging out of the mailbox that the mail hasn't been picked up in a month. Um, you know, look for properties that, you know, the grass hasn't been cut for a while and start, get out of the car, start knocking on doors and talking to people. Um, if the, the property is, is obviously vacant, you know, it's, it's likely that nobody's going to be home. Somebody might be there, but nobody that you want to talk to, um, is going to be in that home. But if you start working the neighborhood, knocking on doors, one, if you start walking around a neighborhood, you'll be surprised at how many potential opportunities you'll see walking a neighborhood um, street by street, block by block, as opposed to, you know, driving through that neighborhood at, you know, 15, 20, 25, 40 miles an hour, whatever the, whatever the speed limit is. When you slow down, take the time, walk through the neighborhood, you see far more opportunities. And what you can do, what, what you can accomplish with, with door knocking and walking neighborhoods is talking to people, talking to neighbors. I promise you, every, every neighborhood has, um, 
has the the, the, the grandma, the little old lady, the, the the neighbor that knows everybody's business. So if you if you start walking around talking to people, and again, again, you got to watch. Some neighborhoods have a no solicitation policy, and even though you're not selling anything, you're looking to you're looking to buy and you're looking to help people solve their problems. Um, you can get in trouble for for you know if you don't have a permit you can get in trouble for for door knocking so just check or in or be be aware that you know some some neighborhoods have, have regulations in place so so that's it um door knocking uh driving for dollars i've personally bought several single family homes uh and in a multi-unit um years ago from door knocking and talking with people calling for sale by owners um one property in particular, it was an Aspen Mall. We were doing a lot of stuff in, in Lower Aspen Mall at the time. We had several uh, renovations going on. This is this was several years back, and we're looking for more opportunities. So I'm like, you know, there's only like five streets here. I think there's I think there's five streets in Lower Aspen Mall. It's uh, five blocks. Um, so I just went out and I started driving a neighborhood. And I started walking around street by street, block by block. And sure enough, I came across a for sale by owner sign. And um, the house looked beautiful from the outside, perfectly landscaped. It, it looked it looked okay. Um, you know, the facade of the house, it was a little uh, a little aged, a little weathered, but you know, the, the landscaping set it off and, and it was a for sale by owner. Um, so I called, you know, it looks like a great house. Looks like, looks like it could be, you know, full retail price, um, but I called the I called the for sale by owner. I talked to the lady, super nice lady. Uh, met her at the house and and got to know her a little bit. Turns out she's a landscaper by trade. That's why her yard looked beautiful. Uh, she had retaining walls, you know, trees, flowers, all kind of stuff. Looked beautiful. Um, go into the house. It needed a full renovation, full renovation. So it looked nice from the outside, but once you got inside, it needed work. It was priced as a for sale by owner priced appropriately. Um, so we ended up, you know, we didn't end up buying the, the home from that seller, um, but we planted the seed from the seller. Um, shortly after that, five, three, four, five, six months later, something like that, uh, the, the home ended up going back to the bank through uh, foreclosure. Uh, the banker called us because um, we were in contact with the seller, uh, banker called she, the seller, you know, we built that rapport, built that relationship. Uh, the seller said, here, call this guy. I, I think he'd, he'd like to buy this home. So we ended up buying the home, um, you know, from the, from the bank after the foreclosure, um, the bank, you know, wouldn't let it, you know, wouldn't allow us to, to purchase the property, uh, from the seller pre foreclosure. Uh, they were already, you know, too far along in the process or whatever. So and anyways, um, we ended up getting that deal through, you know, door knocking and driving for dollars and talking to people that lead cost us nothing other than time. So that's how you find properties. And I know, I know I'm getting into a lot of details here, but there, there are a lot of details when it comes to creating, creating passive income. So that's how you find the properties. Now, how do you, how do you finance the properties? How do you pay for the properties? How do you, how do you uh, fund the deal, fund the transaction? That's a, that's a, um, that's another aspect of the business. So you've got your property and, you know, before you start making cash offers, you want to have, 
you want to have your financing lined up, your funding lined up. There's many ways to do it. Um, there's bank financing. If you're buying a property that's distressed, that needs a lot of work, um, bank financing out of the gate may not be the best method. Um, you can pay cash for the property if you have piles of cash sitting around. Uh, and, and again, this is assuming you're, you're on the active investor side. You can pay cash for the property. You can stabilize the property. You can refinance it. Um, you know, take responsibly refinance it, take that cash out to buy more properties, assuming you're not just, you know, sitting on, you know, tens of millions of dollars where, where you just want to place it in real estate. So, um, you can, uh, bank financing is one way to finance these properties. Uh, Paying cash, obviously, is the quickest and easiest way uh, to pay for these properties if you have the cash available. Um, you know, some people use like a home equity line of credit, a line of credit or something that they have that they own other assets or they own own real estate. Uh, and I'm not suggesting uh, any of any one particular method. I'm just telling you ways to go about doing it. So some people use a home equity line of credit and are, are okay with, you know, putting putting their home up as collateral in their investment properties. So that's another way to do it. Um, you know, hard money lenders, uh, hard money lenders. If, if you're young, like I was just starting out, um, you have okay credit, uh, you have maybe little or no money. Um, hard money lenders are a great source. Hard money lenders, private lenders. A hard money lender is someone that's in the business of lending money, uh, secured by an asset. Um, and, and, um, you know, with, uh, <clears throat> typically with hard money lenders, uh, it's asset based lending. Uh, a lot of hard money lenders will require you to put a little bit of skin in the game, uh, some of your own cash in the deal, depending on the strength, one of the borrower and to the strength of the deal. Um, you know, it's, it's more asset based lending. So hard money lenders are in the business of lending money in, in investment real estate. It's high interest money. It's short term loans but it allows you to get into the business, get the deal done, um, and, and, you know, get the property, get the project secured, stabilize the property, and then typically go to a, either sell the property or go to the bank and refinance the property. And I know there's a lot, you know, some people are like, well, I'm not paying those rates. I'm not, you know, that's crazy that he wants, you know, X, you know, interest rate. He wants 12%. He wants 10%. He wants 15%. He wants, you know, they want points. They want, you know, this fee, that fee. Well, guess what? You know, when it comes to lending, when it comes to hard money lending, it's a line item on the spreadsheet. Um, if if your deal supports the cost of the financing and there's still margin, there's still sp spread, there's still equity, um, look at it that way. It's it's a cost of doing business. If you have no money, um, you know, or little money, it's it's a way for you to get into the business. It's a way for you to start to build your portfolio. It's a way for you to um, you know start creating your cash, your your passive income and, and your cash flow. So hard money lenders are a good source. Um, private lenders. Uh, are a good source if you have if you have a friend or an aunt or an uncle or you know someone that you know uh, that is looking for passive investment type opportunities they can become your bank um, where they can they can lend you money either through a partnership or through through a um, you know acting as the bank holding a note and a mortgage against the property I've worked with a lot of hard money lenders in the past. I've worked with a lot of private lenders in the past. And then another way to go about doing is, is through like, like we do through equity partnerships. Um, you know, we work again, we work one-on-one -on -one with, with private and institutional investors to create managed portfolios. So what we do is we offer, um, you know, uh, uh, 
accredited and institutional investors the opportunity to own real estate while we do all the work as as the managing partner so um those are some ways to finance the property you figured out how to how to find the properties you figured out i told you how to finance the properties and then of course once you buy the property you're going to have to fix it up um you're going to have to uh either sell it or you know lease it out you're gonna have to manage the property so when it comes to fixing the property um you're gonna have to find a general contractor. Um, of course, I recommend if you're new to the business, if you're new to the business, you're learning the business, I recommend that you be as hands-on as possible uh, in your first couple of renovations. Um, why? Uh, because I think it's very important to understand the process. If you don't understand construction, you don't know construction, um, you absolutely need to learn uh, construction and understand construction. And I'm not saying you need to learn how to rewire an entire house. I'm not saying you need to learn how to replumb an entire house, but you need to understand the process and learn the process, everything that's involved with, with construction and renovation and things like that. So, I mean, I recommend you be hands-on as possible. When I was buying my first, uh, when I was investing, you know, building my portfolio at first, I was very hands-on. Now, granted, I wasn't doing full gut renovations. I was doing a lot of paint, um, you know, kitchens, bathrooms, uh, you know, some exterior stuff, uh, some flooring, some cosmetics, but I was very hands-on. Um, one, because I was trying to, um, you know, save some money on the renovations. And two, I, you know, I, I was trying to learn learn the business and learn the process. Now I was hands-on in the automotive industry. So it, it uh, you know, I, I was able to pick things up very, very quickly. Um, but it's very important that, you know, regardless of, you know, if, if you're in the business that you understand construction, you understand the process, um, that you understand how, how, how all aspects of construction work. So you found the property, you finance the property, you're going to fix the property up, then you're going to lease the property. Um, you know, if you're going to self-manage the, the, the portfolio that you're growing, I will forewarn you. Um, it's, it's, you know, when you're starting out and you're doing all aspects of the business, uh, yourself, it's very cumbersome. Um, but you got to look at the end goal. You got to look at the end game. Um, you have to look at, you, you know, past the the current struggles and and the current hurdles that that you're that you're working through um you got to look at the long term so when you when you're starting out you got one two three properties in portfolio and you see that you know you got some turns that you're dealing with you got some repairs that you're dealing with you got you know you got a property that goes vacant and you have two two homes in portfolio it's like oh shit you got a 50 percent vacancy um well that sucks um but you got to look at the long term um when you get to the point you have 10 or 20 or 30 homes in portfolio um things uh are you know more than that as as you grow um, you, you, you gain the ability to put systems in place, um, to have your management software, to add to your team, um, you know, to, to put some efficiencies in place, but you know, that's, that's common, that's growing pain. So, um, you know, again, if you're in single family homes, it's, it's, it can be painful, you know, your first couple of years when, when you buy another house and you stabilize the house and it's like, oh yeah, great. You got uh, three, 400 bucks a month in cash flow. Um, and then you have a repair to deal with and that sucks up your cash flow um i mean that's just the, the reality of the business or you have a property that goes vacant you have two or three homes and it's like you got a 50 you know 30 or 50 percent uh vacancy in your portfolio well that sucks um but look at the long term you know when you get to the point you got 10 
20, 30, 50, 100 homes in portfolio, and you know you have some repairs to deal with, you have some vacancy to deal with, it's part of the business. I mean, it, it becomes you know part of the business. So um, that's it. You got your, your, your acquisitions, uh, your funding, your construction, your management. How do you lease the property? I mean, you market it. Uh, we typically market on, online. You know, we use a, a system, uh, um, a uh, management software. It's called uh, Appfolio. So we do our mar all of our marketing through Appfolio. It goes out to uh, Facebook, Craigslist, uh, Hot Pads, and all kinds of other sites. Uh, some, uh, when our potential residents click on the "I'm interested" button, it, it comes back in the Appfolio. Generates a guest card. Uh, we call them. We follow up. We direct them to the website to to fill out an application. So that's how we market. Um, through our software. Uh, but when you're starting out, <clears throat> post some ads on Facebook, post some ads on Craigslist. Uh, um, when you get your applicants coming in, you should have an application that you use. Uh, you can email them the application. You can meet them in person. You know, the, you, when, when you don't have your systems in place, you got to do more of the steps uh, yourself. Um, but get your application, uh, do your credit check, um, do your criminal background check. Uh, the Pathonetary Civil Docket, uh, local magistrate filings. Check that resident out. Uh, check them out and and have your have your criteria ahead of time on on you know make sure you know so you're not violating any fair housing or anything like that. Have your criteria that the resident has to meet in order to qualify for your home. So um, if you want some more information on fair housing, just Google it. You can read everything you need to know about uh, about fair housing rules and regulations and things like that. So you have uh, um, you, you found you you've marketed you screen your resident. Um, you know we can get into more detail later on on criteria uh, things like that. But you need to have your 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 set criteria. Um, then when you stabilize the property when you move that resident in, um, there's the there's the management that comes along with it. So. Um, you know, uh, we typically, if you're starting out, I would suggest setting up a Google voice number um, ha so that your residents can contact you, have a have an email address, have, you know, a separate number that, you know, they can call, text to reach out, um, you know, have a handyman ready to go um, that, uh, you know, if you have an issue to deal with, um, you know, management uh, repair type thing, make sure you have a handyman on call or somebody that you know you can you can rely on because the the, the maintenance calls, they tend to come at the worst possible times, you know, at, at five o'clock on a Friday, on Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Tuesday night, you know, things pop up, things happen, you know, it's, it's part of the business, but, you know, you want to make sure that you have uh, your go-tos lined up um, prior to needing them so that, so that when you do need them, you're not scrambling. So um, that's it. That's a process. But what I should back up on, um, you know, is is criteria on the purchase. So when we're looking to, um, you know, I talked about how to find a property, how, um, what, you know, how to market and how to find a property. Um, but, you know, and, and I talked about our buy box, what we look for, um, but I probably should dive into the details itself on that buy box. So um, when I say buy box, it's it's our um, it's our criteria that we look for when purchasing a single family home. So um, we look for minimum equity. We, first, we, we target, we, we look in certain areas. We look in the B-class neighborhoods. I already talked enough about that. Regular houses, regular neighborhoods. Um, 
150 to 200 thousand dollar neighborhoods um some a little bit lower some a little bit higher but that's like the the the, the target neighborhoods. So um, we look in those B-class neighborhoods. Uh, when we underwrite a property for purchase, uh, we look for minimum equity requirements. So we look for at least 30% equity after all costs, uh, purchase, renovation, closing costs, um, some uh, some cash reserves, uh, closing costs, fees, everything that's involved with the purchase of the property um, are all in. We look for at least uh, 30% equity. So we're, um, we're not, you know, paying too much for the property. We're not, uh, again, we're in regular houses, regular neighborhoods, but we also uh, buy responsibly. So we look for 30% minimum equity we look for certain cash on cash returns um you know those vary slightly uh you know our cash on cash return we might uh, uh accept a little bit you know lower cash on cash return if we have greater equity um or you know we might uh find a property that's a really good buy where we get a much higher cash on cash return so um but we we look for certain equity, certain neighborhoods. We look for certain equity requirements. Uh, we we have uh, certain cash on cash returns, and we look at those projections over over a five year period um, <clears throat> for the average uh, cash on cash return. And that uh, when I talk when I say cash on cash return, our all in um, our our all in price, it, you know, our all in number. Um, uh, and what the property rents for each month, uh, less taxes, insurance, um, and other costs associated with um, uh, with, with with you know the the, the monthly uh, holding costs on the property. So whatever whatever our net is, our bottom line, um, that's what that's the number that we use to to calculate our cash on cash return average over over a five year period. So. Um, you know, that's how we underwrite a property. Everybody's buy box is going to look a little bit different, but that's our requirements. Um, so again, uh, um, you know, that's how we, that's how we go about creating, uh, um, cash flow and creating passive income is through, you know, the, the method that I just spelled out, how to acquire properties, um, how to finance properties, how to, uh, manage properties and, you know, how to create the portfolio. We do that over and over and over and over and over again. And that's how we create, um, the cash, the, the cash flow and the passive income. Um, so again, I know I went on, uh, you know, with uh, with this message with this podcast, but there was there was a lot of things that I wanted to cover um, when it when it comes to you know the how to of creating cash flow and creating passive income. So uh, my hope is that you found value in this message, that you found value um, in in what I laid out for you today. And again, you know, the only thing I ask in return is uh, share this with with someone that can can benefit from this message. So and again, um, you know, give me some feedback on the content that we're providing. Let me know, you know, what you want me to dive into in, in greater detail. Let me know what topics, what subjects you want me to cover and, you know, help me, um, you know, serve you guys better. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, um, I appreciate your time and, and, and listening and, and, you know, again, um, you know, doing this for you guys. So, you know, let me know what you want me to dive into and, and provide more information on. So that's it for today. That's how to create uh, cash flow and how to create passive income. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.